0: So, welcome back, everybody. This is episode number seven of the Odyssey podcast. And today we are joined by actually a much requested guest. We ran a members survey there a few weeks ago, and you were requested four times, Amelia. Wow. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> me
1: out. Um,
0: Amelia Potter, uh, Potstinks on Instagram. We're delighted to have you, Amelia. Why don't you give yourself a little bit of an introduction before we, we jump in?
1: Cool, yeah. Uh, Thanks for having me. Uh, It's nice to know that I'm wanted somewhere, so that's cool. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm a sport performance psychologist. I've kind of niched myself to strength sports, predominantly powerlifting um, now, and yeah, I'm just kind of here working with athletes, helping them excel, get past barriers, um, and, you know, trying to really open up the world of powerlifting to the idea of sports psychology.
0: Love it amazing um awesome so tell us a little bit we'll jump right in if you if you tell us a little bit about kind of your background and and how you got into sports psychology or sports in general what's your what's your story
1: um so sports in general i i grew up with three brothers um and a very competitive father and i ended up being as in my father's words the son he never had so sorry to my (laughs) three brothers. But I I kind of ended up being the really sporty one. So I love sport growing up, um, was in all the teams, went to uni and ended up um, captaining my uni's lacrosse team, which is my main sport. Um, Super kind of like unpopular in Europe anyway. Um, But yeah, so that's kind of my sporting background in a super quick nutshell, because, you know, no one cares about my actual athletic history. (laughs) That's not interesting. Um, But sports psychology, I did an undergraduate in um, psychology under the bracket of psychology and counselling. And it's a super broad uh, degree. I took a year out after that, and was a sports coach, a lacrosse coach, actually, predominantly um, at a school. And I kind of working with athletes one-to-one or teams um, I just really loved. I'd always worked in a capacity of kind of sports um, and athleticism during kind of the summers of my uni, kind of beforehand. When I was like 15, 16, I was a football coach. Um, And yeah, I kind of, I knew I wanted to do a master's and I was stuck between, I I finally whittled it down essentially between uh, criminal law psychology and sports psychology and it it was kind of a no-brainer for me mixing something I was so passionate about being kind of sports and athleticism and fitness um, with the degree that I was super passionate about which is always super cringy to say because everyone's like it's my passion but you know like it it did end up being that Um, so I did my master's And sport and exercise psychology, uh, absolutely loved it. I'm a super big nerd, so it was my cup of tea completely. And yeah, and then I started um, having some experience working with some really good sports psychologists uh, as lecturers um, and then having really good connections with them, uh, working with athletes slowly kind of over time um, as, you know, I help you, you help me. I'm getting the experience, you're getting a free sports psych. Um And then, you know, slowly I just started building my business up, uh, building up my research, my kind of clientele, my roster, my knowledge, connections, etc. You know, how anyone kind of builds up. Um, and yeah, I guess here I am. Um, I'm a member of Bases, which is the I'm going to get this wrong and I'm going to get slated by other sports psychologists. It's the British Association of Sport Exercise Sciences. Um, So, and then my degree is BPS. Um, So yeah, that's a really quick roundup. Not quick at all (laughs) of me, I guess.
0: Why powerlifting? I mean... You said you played lacrosse, which is really cool, actually. I've always <laughs> wanted to to see la- lacrosse happen in the flesh. I've never actually seen a lacrosse game. But is do you have a thing for niche sports or why why did you? Why <laughs> I
1: did mean, you it does of... seem that way. It it, <laughs> it seems like I am super kind of drawn to the less popular sports in Europe, at least. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of started going to the gym um, myself when I was pretty late, to be fair, um, like, am halfway through uni, and I did it as a kind of a supplement to, you know, the other niche sport being lacrosse. Um, and I eventually just kind of I had a coach and I started working towards potentially, um, and this was a nutrition and bodybuilding coach, and I started working towards uh, potentially competing on stage in bodybuilding. Um, and then it just didn't feel right to me and I ended up just having all these connections and powerlifting as in like friends I went to uni with um you know d uh he works from Plexium um maybe not he's an English coach and I went to uni with him so I've known him a long time um and yeah I just I I kind of worked a bit with a lacrosse athletes and I just find it really interesting working with athletes kind of in an individual sport anyway um I have worked with kind of other sports like golf and things like that which are individual athletes but powerlifting was something I knew about um and I enjoyed learning about and you know playing about with in my own time as well so I think to be able to practice techniques and interventions in my own time and then bring it forward to um athletes and kind of say it's tried and tested um also just to enjoy all the conversations rather than um me pursuing something like golf and don't get me wrong like i have nothing like i I like golf i i don't think there's a sport i don't like but for me it's just not exhilarating it's not something i could sit down and hear about kind of all day whereas i love the conversations about powerlifting and that makes it that much more interesting to me
0: Awesome. I think it is, uh, we, we said this, uh, I think it was on the episode we had Andrew Rowe on, who's, who's one of, he's a coach under Odyssey strength and also mm-hmm. a, a pretty successful lifter, but it's just an inherently cool sport. <laughs> like the, the, the actual game day aspect of it, like, it's just, you're doing something cool, you know?
1: Yeah, it is. And it it's super kind of primal in a way. Mm. Um, but as a sports psychologist a sport performance psychologist that also makes it so interesting because it is one of those sports that essentially you are training so many hours for and so hard for for what's going to be like a few minutes you know on the platform um and it's kind of nine attempts you get and the immense kind of mental focus confidence and pressure that goes into the kind of those few moments is so immense and it's interesting like for me anyway but to help somebody kind of achieve that in a calm and more confident way is just super i don't think satisfying is the right word but just you know it makes me happy to see athletes perform in a way that they're happy with
0: it's gratifying right like yeah it's, it's, ab-
1: it's, absolutely it's, it's deeper <laughs> yeah um.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy that like people say you, you get nine minutes on the platform, you know, you could do, you could do a year of training for nine minutes, but that's, you don't get nine minutes on the platform. Like no, one's taken nine (laughs) minutes, you know, you, you get maybe four and a half minutes on the platform over the course of like a three hour day. You know, it is one of these sports where like fight or flight is, is kind of like a more prevalent. You know, like in a rugby match, which is, which was growing up my main sport, there's plenty of opportunities to, you know, if you, if you kind of fall over a hurdle, well, you can get back on the horse and make sure the next play is right. And kind of build your confidence on that powerlifting. You don't have that, that opportunity, at least on game day. No, absolutely. So so having that, that confidence, it's something I want to ask you about. Like we harp on a lot about making movement unconscious. And we do that because unconscious, in, in our experience, correlates very closely to confident. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're stepping onto the platform and all that's in your mind is absolutely smashing the weight that's in front of you, you know, in, in whatever way you, you want to do that, whether it's super hyped or super calm or whatever. But, but your entire focus is just executing, you know, the reps that you've done a thousand times in training. Do you think that kind of approach is more favorable than maybe um an approach where you're you're on the platform kind of queuing yourself through fifteen different things what What do you think
1: yeah absolutely i mean I think something that all athletes want to achieve is a good sense of flow when they're competing um and I think a big mistake that a lot of people do make is that you can just suddenly switch that on in the moment and just be like well and like don't get me wrong some people can some people you know absolutely amazing and naturally just being like this is my moment but just like you wouldn't go to a meet having not trained in the gym uh and then go be like oh i'm gonna pull this you know three time body weight deadlift it's just like no no you're not it's the same with kind of uh with you know mental techniques and you have to kind of make it part of the flow make it feel natural and understand the kind of cognitive behaviors thoughts emotions behind the processes that you're doing to really be able to kind of stamp them in and implement them in a game day experience um and that's something called affective training which is essentially replicating you know the competition of the game day um or competitive environment as much as you can in a training environment. Um, And by kind of eliminating all the factors um, in the sense of kind of, you know, training hard, training mental techniques, sports-like techniques, um, you know, making sure your physical health is up to uh, to date. So kind of physios and such, um, you're eliminating all the factors that you know you could be like oh well my head wasn't in it oh well i had this niggle you know and by doing that you know that it's just i'm gonna pull this weight or i'm not there's nothing else behind it um and it's a case of just not leaving that to last minute you know you wouldn't go to a meet with a busted knee and then find a physio two minutes before you jump on the platform and be like you know i think i've pulled my acl you're like (laughs) don't don't come to me now with that, I can't help. So if someone comes to me, you know, like a meet, obviously I can give them help and techniques that, you know, in five minutes time they can use, but will that be as effective as somebody who I've been working with for weeks or months, um, who kind of, you know, is second nature to them now, we've been able to add layers. No, you know, Um, I feel like I've gone on a huge, you know, different direction to whatever you asked me but I'm really sorry that was that was my answer to almost what...
2: like it's a it's a skill to be developed and implemented into your training with the other things that maybe are a little bit more obvious yeah training, absolutely. The physical side of things that that cultivating this mindset and this attitude to bring onto the platform is something that happens weeks and months outside of it and not something that oh, I'm going to pick this up yeah in the day. absolutely Is Adam frozen? Maybe. Yeah, (laughs) I was was wondering if he was frozen as well. The differences between working with athletes in a team sporting environment and then working with individuals. I'm completely ignorant of this, but I I wonder, is there much of a difference between working with athletes that are in a team sport versus being on an individual side of things?
1: I'm... yeah absolutely he i mean he told me to keep
2: rolling by the way so let's, <laughs>
1: let's just work okay um see you later adam um yeah absolutely i mean it, just in the simple nature of having other people there to kind of in both ways lean back on and you know you're tr- also trying to succeed well for other people as well um you work with kind of the case of nature of a team and how they gel together, how they work by themselves, kind of the relationship between teammate to teammate, from teammate to coach, from coach to teammate, and um, there's almost a lot more for them to lean back on um, in a team sport because you know if if someone's having a bad day, either you know there's a sub there or there's somebody they can pass to, mm. um, and there's a lot more to fall back on, and I feel like there's just so much more pressure on individual athletes who kind of you know they can't tap out and they can't just you know they can't rely on having another teammate come in for them they can't rely on uh someone else performing well for them and hoping you know everybody gets a win it's kind of i go into this moment i have to perform well and that's a lot of pressure for kind of one person so yeah i absolutely think there's a huge difference in working with teams um and individuals and i think that there's many points behind it and i think that's just kind of like the key thing that first of all is the difference but is also the difference that drove me to work with individuals um kind of that pressure big time
2: yeah it's actually it's it's kind of the reason as well i similar to adam had a background in, in rugby and gaelic football and i i kind of craved this responsibility that was inherent to an individual sport like it, it's it's your game if you didn't get it it's it's your fault and that if you did get it you know this is something special to you but it's it's interesting that you that you say that um adam is back with us here Can you it? <laughs> hi adam hello um, <laughs> yeah
1: i mean absolutely i think um gaelic football by the way super cool sport um <laughs> i think yeah it is it is super interesting and like i said that that kind of pressure that inherently you do go towards is going to be a driving force to push you through absolutely Mm -hmm. um but it's so important that it's handled in a way that you know that you can kind of grab hold of just like if you had a 17 year old new athlete who's so has so much strength you kind of don't know what to do with it as a coach kind of it's your job to hone it in and make sure you know they don't hurt themselves they're not kind mm-hmm. of stupid with their training um and it's the same with i don't want to say an untrained mind because that seems really harsh and it's not like it's just if I'll you, say haven't... If you want. <laughs> <laughs> an untrained mind um but you know if if you're working if you haven't even if it's you know taking it upon yourself if you haven't you know done the research and tried out interventions like you know you're gonna be untrained in a way and Mm. to kind of go into comps or training without that is almost pulling you back anyway because you don't have that extra kind of control variable that you would have otherwise
2: Mm. It's like they have this huge potential and it's nearly our responsibility to focus it and push it in the direction. And with this this focus, they could go further with it. Yeah, Does that sound absolutely. Say? I was going yeah. to ask you as well, actually, on on powerlifting and that the, the pressure that somebody feels, it being an individual sport, do you find that's what some people come to you with as an issue that they struggle to, to deal with this, this pressure? Is that one of the main things that you find people struggle with?
1: I mean, I think it's... It is, but it's not how they verbalize it. I think that in itself manifests in a lot of different ways, um, and whether that's kind of a lack of focus because they aren't in a situation where other people are like you know put your head like put your head back in the game, get your head in the game, or if it's confidence because they know that they have that pressure on them, um, you know, if it's comparison because they don't inherently inherently have that other teammate where, where they're like okay, well x is running this fast or x has got this many goals this season um so they end up you know comparing themselves to other athletes which is unfair you know um so i think it it absolutely is one of the big problems but it manifests itself in different ways and i think a lot of people don't understand that there are a lot of pressures that will naturally come with being an individual athlete um and it can manifest in different ways if not dealt with correctly i suppose
2: hmm. i suppose recognizing that it is this it can come from this one thing or that the you might be seeing the symptom of an issue rather than the cause of it And i suppose it absolutely it makes sense to to try and find the cause of it and, and to address that rather than the symptom of an issue
1: yeah and like loads of other things and like general psychology as well sometimes it is uh kind of the factor of cause and effect like is it the confidence being an effect of like them being an individual sport or vice versa like is what's the cause and what's the effect of this particular problem um so some people do generally uh genuinely do to come to me and say like oh i'm not confident in this specific lift and it is you know pinpointed to that and they are very aware of that um whereas you know someone else might come to me with a confidence problem that they might think is oh i just get really panicky before you know i lift um and it might be more down to the fact that there is that pressure so yeah, yeah. absolutely
0: something i was gonna ask before i cut out and i <laughs> i hope this hasn't been asked already is um <laughs> like what, what what's the process when when someone comes to you you know we'll take a power lifter for example because that's us and our audience and whatnot but when, when someone comes to you and, and and says they they want to they want to perform better, you know, or they want to improve their ability to perform on game day. What's the kind of process for you? How do you?
1: Um, That has already been out. No joking. It hasn't. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's so essentially athletes come to me um, and they normally, you know, message me directly through kind of Instagram and um, either that or they kind of just chuck in an application form and they'll come to me and um, before anything else we'll talk about their aesthetic history and you know chat about what they think is the problem and you know what they want to focus on and then you know through that we kind of dive deeper into it and either they're you know spot on and that's like yeah we're going to focus on that first or they come in with like an idea of what they want to work on and then you know further down the conversation they're like oh actually you know this might be the problem and that ends up being kind of a byproduct of you know the main problem and so it's very rare i think i've only had it once or twice that an athlete's been referred to me a few days before a competition um and i'm always very hesitant to kind of not talk, to, not. I won't refuse to talk to them, like a celebrity or something, um, but I mean like I, I'm very hesitant to talk business or shop or psychology with an athlete a few days or the day of a comp firsthand because like I don't want to change their routine, like that, that's something that is so incredibly important is the routine, the flow, and if I just suddenly go oh well, this might work for you and even if I say it in passing, They might take that as gospel and go okay well in comp i'm gonna do this because you know i don't want to either waste waste it a lot of people think that if they use it too early like it's like a a magic power that they're gonna you know if i use this once in comp it's gonna it's gonna be the time it works um and or they you know they're just like okay well i'm gonna practice it so much in these three days leading up that it's gonna make up for all the other time and it it's just like cramming for a test like you, you might get some of the results that you wanted but it's it's not gonna be anywhere near as effective or as drilled into you as if you know you were revising for weeks or months or whatever um and yeah i think it, it's that <laughs> that's why i'm really hesitant um so yeah i, I very rarely get athletes close to comp coming to me uh and when i have you know i've 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 tried to help in a way that's not going to be too disruptive. Um, but usually, yeah, an athlete will kind of come to me in off season um, or, you know, X months before a meet and uh, either come to me with an issue or, you know, vice versa, come to me with something they want to excel because I think that's a huge misconception that sports, psych, sport performance, psych, sport, mental coaches, et cetera, we're only here if somebody has a problem um and think that's a stigma we're still trying to get over that, you know, we're here to help athletes excel, just like a coach is. Like you wouldn't just get a coach if your training was, you know, going down the toilet, you would get a coach because you want your training to go well. Mm-hmm. Um, so somebody yeah. Somebody had
2: said that to me actually recently, it's, it's funny that you say that, and it was, it was in a conversation relevant to, I don't want to say standard, psychology or psychotherapy but they they put it in terms of you don't just go to the gym but the gym isn't just for people who are extremely out of shape or on death's door just like therapy isn't for people who are at their wits end only it's for kind of -of run-of-the-mill people who are just normal people or even people who would see themselves as in a really good spot like it's it's for everyone and there's always progress to be made and there's always things to figure out so that's that's interesting
1: yeah i mean you know as humans we're super complex um and super simple at the same time i like, don't get me wrong um but like we live very intricate lives and everything is constantly changing and as human beings we hate change like just naturally we hate change um whether like someone wants to admit it or not it's it's an innate thing um and you know change is happening all the time we're in a pandemic like we don't know what's happening we have no idea what's happening um and so yeah with with something like therapy it absolutely is there for just you know everyday uh, i say everyday people you know in, in quotes not not you know it's these are hard terms to kind of verbalize without of sounding insensitive um but yeah the, just like therapists themselves have to get regular therapy like it's it's for everyone it's mm just like having a coach um you know having a pt having a physio having a sports like it's just looking after yourself uh at the end of the day and it's just making sure you're doing what you want to do correctly and to the best of your abilities and you know there's nothing wrong or to be ashamed of you know with any of that
0: something um something i want to jump back to as well and something that i really appreciate is uh is your reluctance to, to, I suppose, disrupt, as you, as you put it, the, the athletes, like in those examples of athletes who came to you quite close to competition, you were very reluctant to, to disrupt their, um, their routine. Um, I wish that, I think that's something all, uh, sports professionals, so everyone under the umbrella of working with, you know, an athlete should take heed of. like, it doesn't matter how, um, important you are, or oftentimes think you are like messing with with something as important as as an athlete's routine headed into a, a competition or a sport like powerlifting you know where those couple of minutes are so important is never never a good thing you know you might have some fantastic advice but wait and just you know yeah. hold it um so i really really appreciate that and if anyone is if anyone listening um is is uh is within this this domain of of being a sports professional, I hope that's something that you put into practice as well, because super important, super, super important, whether it's technique or whatever. So yeah. I really appreciate that. Cool. Um, so next question, kind of difficult one to, to word, it was difficult to type. I'll try and put it into words, but what is like, I, I actually know a lot more now just having chatted to you for 20 minutes than, than I did when I was writing this question, but what is the the kind of the scope of what you do, obviously, you know, what you do, the the aim is improving performance, right? Um, Yeah. Mainly, obviously it's, you know, um, multifaceted, but what is, what is the scope? Like when do you have to kind of be like, okay, I need someone else here. What's the scope of sports psychology as opposed to, you know, other forms of psychology, you know?
1: This is actually... Like, I'm super glad you have asked this question because this is something that's actually been super frustrating for me and other people that I know that in my uh, personal domain like as in like in sports psych and sports science um, as well as coaches and I think it's super important to know kind of the back your professional boundaries um I made a post with it with um, Louisa um the other day who's a PhD a sports psych student and she and it's kind of knowing so like obviously i'll speak about sports like first um because you know that's why i'm here and um it it's knowing where your you know knowledge and professional certifications and boundaries lie um along kind of with an ethical and moral standpoint i as well and also the client the athlete they need to know your level of expertise um as well so you know if somebody comes to me with a mental health problem if it's not kind of related to you know training or performance or um something for example this is completely made up if someone's like i'm super depressed and you know i just don't know what to do with myself i'll say look i'm not a mental health specialist and I'm absolutely here to listen if you need me to, but um, I think, you know, you could be better off talking to X, Y, and Z and signpost them outwards. Um, And I think it's easy to forget sometimes that performance psychs um, are not therapists. And, you know, I've been really lucky in the fact that the athletes I've worked with kind of have known that boundary themselves. But by all means, if you do need the help, I can't like a professional should be able to signpost and I think that's something really important and I've seen it a lot on Instagram recently um well obviously no names will be named um but where there are coaches or other professionals who are posting things that just they should not be posting about whether it's a coach posting about kind of the you know I don't know like hormones in DNA or physio stuff or like why people should be depressed and it's like no I mean like there's there's a, I'm sorry I'm sorry if I've not you there <laughs> I mean like there's definitely a respectful way to do it but there's posts I've seen that have been like I know this this is my like and it's not said like this is what I know of it and this is where I've got it from it's kind of just a coach or a psych or a physio trying to be everything of
2: course
1: and if they're kind of sat there being like Hey, I got this information from. So, if I did a, I don't know why I would, but if I did a post about, um, you know, powerlifting coaching, um, again, I'm I'm not sure why I would. Um, because to me that is so strange. Um, and I got the information off of Adam. I'd be like, this is kind of my post, blah, blah blah. Like, this isn't my realm of expertise. I got all this information from um, Adam, and you know go talk to him if you want to talk about coaching because i know that's not my you know that's not my job that's and if i want to post information about it absolutely i think you know by all means if you want to share information do but either kind of say like this is my understanding or this is my knowledge i'm not an expert or refer out um because i've seen so many coaches and other professionals um the only reason I'm, <laughs> I'm asking coaches so much is because they're way more prevalent in the industry um, and, and I agree with
0: you. It's it's they're the people that need to be addressed here. Like these yeah. are the, the culprits, for lack of a better word.
1: Yeah, and it's only because it can be harmful. And it's only a few posts that I've seen. But the posts that I have seen, like, I know that other professionals have been taken aback by and been like, Are you are you sure you should like I wouldn't even say that. Like, are you sure you should be saying that? Mm-hmm. Um So yeah, to answer your initial question, my my kind of scope is helping people with performance. I help people kind of get past barriers, excel, uh, you know, whether that's confidence, nerves, injury rehab. Um, I'm obviously not gonna give physio like exercises, but with the kind of the psychological return from injury and going through that, that's a very difficult thing to kind of process for athletes. It's a huge thing that sport performance um, psychs help with it's you know that's what I mean by that like anything kind of briefly in that realm absolutely but if an athlete comes to me with oh it says this in my program and you know I'm not sure I'm like well I can't help you with the exercise so talk to your coach or you know we'll organize a three-way call or like oh I've got a niggle on my shoulder and it's you know it's really throwing me off and I'm like I'm not going to tell you to do a lift or not to do a lift because that's also not my place. Speak to your physio, speak to your coach. Um, kind of understanding where to signpost them to. And if it comes to mental health, being like, you know, knowing kind of where to signpost to or doing the research with them. Like, it's it is kind of a give and take. Like it's a it's a services relationship, but it's it's also a relationship, you know, and you know in an industry such as the one we're in you have to have that element of like human care um so yeah i'm sorry i always go on such a tangent
0: um... oh no, that's good that's good <laughs> <laughs> i think um i think a lot of it as with everything right has to do with education of the athlete because at the end of the day we're all we're all providing services you know yeah this is cap. We're, this is capitalism we're, we're we're these are our jobs <laughs> We're we're trying to make money and uh, we're providing services that we believe in you know to, to in return for for financial support from these athletes and the, i think athletes need to be aware of the fact that it is a multifaceted process and and one professional isn't going to well probably won't get you all the way to the end goal where where you need where you want to be you know what i mean yeah a lot of coaches think well look that's what the athletes w- want so this is what i have to do i have to be the psychologist, I have to be the physiotherapist. I have to be the powerlifting coach, whereas that's not true. And the only way to stop that from being the case is if we just stop, if we all just stop, you (laughs) know, I I call it uh, like race to the bottom. It's like a race to the bottom attitude. You know, if one coach says, Hey, I can do all of these things and I can do it for cheaper than you. You know, yeah. What what about the next guy? You know, what's he gonna do? He's gonna be. I can do all of these things plus one and cheaper than that guy. <laughs> you know, that's not the approach we should be taking here. You know, uh, yeah. And um, it, it can only kind of come from within. So, so that's something I, I think is really, really important. Um,
1: as well as like, if if you look at like a, a professional football team, a professional American football team, um, like basketball, whatever they don't have one professional if you saw kind of the lakers with just like one coach you'd be like where is everyone you know it'd be it'd be weird and like i don't think powerlifters should sell themselves short if they're serious about their sport and you know that's not an ad anyone like you don't have to have every single one but i'm saying like if you are at the top end and you want kind of that athlete experience and you kind of you want to push yourself um, then you wouldn't see any other, you know, professional athletes at that top end kind of with one professional. But saying that, it uh, like powerlifting is a super undervalued and like under sponsored under, I can't think of the word, like underappreciated, underappreciated sport. And it's not, you know, like CrossFit blew up. Um, I don't see why, you know, any reason powerlifting shouldn't or can't, um, but at the moment it's just not seen in such a bright light as other sports. are so unfortunately, like top athletes aren't just, you know, recruited and given this opportunity It's usually out of pocket. So there is that understanding of kind of the boundary and the line for them of what they want and need. Um, so I guess that's why, you know, as you know, coaches and physios and psychs, we also put out a lot of free content because we do want to help athletes. Um, yeah. But, you know, capitalism as well. There so you
0: there you go. I, I, again, just like, I think if you're putting out content, like I said, education is important, just, you know, like you said, it's fine to refer. It's fine to take, like, if I put up something from you, as long as I credit you and say, this is where I got this information. This is a trusted source. That's fine. And everyone could do that. It's fantastic. It's a way to network with other professionals, uh, which is only a positive thing from a pr- professional sense. Yeah. Um, but as well, like, th- I suppose it is our jobs to educate the clientele, you know? Uh, yeah. They're not going to just become educated out of nowhere. But I've heard certain certain athletes say crazy things, like say say things like, um, you know, if my, if my coach couldn't solve this injury... In X amount of time, I'd be out the door. I'd be over to another coach. That's not that's not how it works, you know. I'm a so thing coach. Cool. I'm not a, I'm I'm not a physiotherapist. I, I I know nothing about your injury, you know. I, I might know about some of the uh, programming things behind it all, but I know nothing about your injury. And anything I say is totally uneducated. So I'm not the guy, you know that that load shouldn't be placed on my back. So for other coaches who might be listening, because I'm sure we'll put this on, on Instagram as well, refer. You know, yeah. don't be afraid to to take that stand and, and just tell them this yeah. is not how this relationship is gonna work.
1: I mean you know? saying that, I don't want kind of clients and athletes now to be like, if they get advice from their coach, be like, no, I won't <laughs> listen. Because <laughs> absolutely like there is always gonna be, you know, like a Venn diagram, like there's gonna be crossovers. Of yeah.
0: So
1: like if your coach does kind of say, well, these exercises might be helpful. Don't be like, well, you're not a physio. I like, so don't people, get that kind uh, of like, facts. you know, Fact. That's Fact. that. Um, but it's, you know, also knowing kind of the scope of that crossover. Yeah.
0: That that was going to be something I was going to talk about next. Actually, like there is inherently going to be, I think as a coach, the reason coaches get all this, all the, the flack is because there's so many elements to it. You know, like, You're not a psychologist, but there are obviously psychological elements of of competition are massive and and there are going to be some parts of that that you're involved in directly. You know, on game day, I'm handling my athletes. You know? Yeah. And so there is certain I do have to to shoulder some of that load, you know, some of the some of the responsibility of ensuring that my athlete is psychologically primed to to compete, you know? So as you mentioned that Venn diagram, there is going to be crossover, but it's about it's about kind of about finding where where, where the yeah uh, the scope of that ends, you know, where yeah. you do need to to refer but recognizing Absolutely. your own limits
2: as a coach that you can deal with this a little bit, but if it gets past that, you need to refer it out to a, to a professional. The same with nutrition, exactly. So you know, where most coaches would be personal trainers as well. And we have this small degree of nutritional information we can kind of push somebody in the direction of. Maybe better habits or more ordered habits, but if it gets to a point, we have to say here: look, this is out of our hands, and you need—not to say that you need professional help—that's quite a, a bold statement. Yeah. To say to someone
1: Also, be careful how you say it. <laughs> you, to, need you're a mess. <laughs> you, you need help. You need help. Yeah, I think as well as like there are so many weird crossovers, like with nutrition, and it's kind of well, if someone's got an eating disorder, then who does that fall upon is that a nutritionist is that a sports psych is that a psych is you know like it's some kind of you know crossover and discussion that people are super confused with um and if you know a nutritionist isn't specialized with eds then refer to a nutritionist that is um and then talk to them about you know whether they're getting some sort of Professional help. Get help, um, but not like that. <laughs> um,
0: it's funny. I literally just mentioned it, but my my next talking point here is is what advices would you have for coaches with regards to kind of cultivating that that positive um, mental approach when it comes to to competition? What 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 could you tell them that would help them in in like on competition day when they're handling? You know,
1: on competition day, I think it's understanding first of all understanding kind of like the actual science behind competition anxiety it's like state anxiety and i'm not saying kind of go go away and do your research it's just understanding that you know that different athletes and personalities are going to react differently to this you know flush of emotions and anxiety um they're going to be you know physical and psychosomatic uh, responses that they're going to have and I think first of all preparation for a coach is super key like understanding that you might have someone who's normally super confident loud, and you know that's gone super quiet and kind of understanding the best approach of them Um, and you might have someone who's normally super quiet and reserved who's acting out and kind of you know saying I don't know trash talk to a competitor i don't know um but people react in a different way and i think the best thing a coach can do is which you know a good coach would anyway is get to know their athletes um you know personalities them as individuals and in a sense understand how and why they'll be reacting so whether that's a conversation prior um to if they've got any experience as in like the athletes have an experience of them going through something like that before um and can maybe say oh well I know that I get really quiet and nervous and then I feel really sick and just being prepared for what there might be and being prepared to support that and I think that is a really good starting place for coaches in terms of comp day psych um not treating everyone kind of with a blanket Mm -hmm. approach and being like you're all gonna be fine you know like because some people don't want that positivity some people just Want to be left alone? Some people need the support, and I think, kind of finding out who and what I suppose is a good way to start with that.
0: Knowing your knowing your athletes, as, absolutely. As it's 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 like competition day in powerlifting. What you'll see at any competition is screaming. And slapping in the background in people who are just who are inexperienced in competition, but think that this is both coach and athlete who think that this is what this is what it's you're what supposed you do, to do. Yeah. This is smelling salts, you know. <laughs> you just get blasted. I've seen so many times people use smelling salts for the first time in competition, and clearly it didn't do a good. Like it was not good for them whatsoever. But they came back and and smelled them again and again. Well, you know,
1: that's yeah, that's like what I was talking about before when I was saying like people just kind of throw things on for the first time in comp because they're like I see other people do it or you know like I'm going to save the ammonia for when I stand on the platform because then it's going to have the biggest effect and you like yeah it probably <laughs> will give you the biggest boost but not in a good way um that. yeah absolutely and I think you know that's a <laughs> that's it's not a good idea
0: I mean for some people like you know if you're super experienced and I, I'm not I, I don't mind everyone kind of maybe you disagree with this, but I think, look, try it, see see what you think, see how, it, if it helps you, fantastic, go for it. But um, don't
1: try it on the day. On yeah, the maybe day. not on
0: the day. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, some advice to kind of bridge the gap, I suppose, to, to coaches in, in my competition experience is just, especially, it can be quite difficult if you're working with different people at the same time, because you physically... Have to get if you're working with someone who's a hype monster, you know, and they want the salts and they want the slaps. Like I'm a I'm a fairly quiet, reserved, gentle person, but when I'm coaching <laughs> c- certain people, like they want me to beat the shit out of them, you know. Um, <laughs> it can be difficult to come from from that to working with someone
2: who yeah.
0: is super calm, reserved. Like I'm here, it's fun. I'm 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 ready. You know, don't need any external hype whatsoever. They just need you to be the supportive presence that you should be, you know. So don't be afraid to just stop, take a breath, calm down, because you as a coach need to also bring it back down.
1: Yeah. I mean, essentially, you're filling a role. It's almost, you know, acting like you're acting a character, Mm. like you're being the support role that they need and that you kind of you're giving them the motivation that they need and for i'm actually reading sounds really nerdy i'm reading a super interesting paper at the moment and it's about coaching gen z athletes and it says how much more extrinsic motivations like external motivation younger athletes are born after nineteen, like born from 1997 and younger need than you know people that might be a bit older so knowing kind of that about them and filling that role like i i had a leg session with a friend once and i'd actually never trained with them before but i knew that they trained super hard he's a bodybuilder and not a powerlifter so like he's it's a completely different mental approach to um uh training and i say mental in every sense of the word <laughs> um and i'm not a big person i'm about 55 kilos i'm five foot three maybe and i'm just not large and i and I, was, <laughs> and I was was going for a squat i was going for a squat pb because i i kind of the most i'd done at that time was like i'm not i'm not a strong squatter by the way and the most i'd done at that time was like 100 and i was proud of that and i was happy with that and i was just going for a leg session and he's like ah oh, chuck more of the bar and i was like okay i'll chuck some you know 2.5s on each side and he's like nah five minimum in this gym and i was like oh my god okay so did it did one ten and you know it was like RP seven which was like the weirdest thing and then he was like oh okay cool let's go up and I was like oh no I don't I don't know if I can you know and he, I was like okay one fifteen and he's like I told you no no two point five plates. we're going up to one twenty and I was like about to I was getting in my own state and like like you said Adam I'm I'm inherently not allowed. Kind of hypey kind of person um and so i i was just kind of like doing my own techniques um probably practicing some i don't know i can't remember and i was just kind of getting to my space i had my music in and this guy he's not he was like five ten or something but he's like huge and he's like oh let's go and he's super hypey and he's still like he kind of a person who, like slaps himself in the face loads and he's like let's go and like slaps me on the back just as I'm about to do it. I'm like super in my zone. So like, I'm going to go anyway. And I'm like pushed into the bar forwards. And like, I'm like, like there's been an earthquake in my world. Like I'm, like I said, I'm not big. And I was like, oh my God. And I was just like, right, I've got to, I've got to stay in the moment here. I was like, I can't, you know? So I did it and, and like, I squat it not to very good depth, but you know, that's another story. <laughs> But I was just like, so taken aback and like thrown out of my own momentum because, you know, he's such a hype person. And I was like, I was so kind of like intrinsically motivated and like, right. I need to do this. I need to bring my focus in, bring like, the control and confidence in. And like, as I was doing that, he was like, right slap with both hands. And I was just like, ah, and like completely taken out of my focus. And like, I, I suppose that's a good example of like, no you know your athlete or who you're training with and know what they need before they do a lift especially if it's 20 kilos above their you know current max like don't do that
0: (laughs) i think if you've ever if you've ever felt the difference between a good lift out and a bad lift out on the bench press oh that is what we're talking about here you know it's very similar you're even the process of it is quite similar when you're given a good lift out on the bench press you're kind of almost matching their pressure you know mm. you're're you're, mm. you're, you're not pulling it and imparting your will on the person you're just matching what they want it's the exact same actually uh, Mitte coaching you know you're you're just trying to to become the person that they are in some sense you know yeah and if absolutely. they communicate if they communicate something else if they like i've had that happen too where i expected someone to be real calm and happy and quiet but they felt like they needed something else then great. slap me in the face it's happened it's happened (laughs) you actually adam that's a good example adam always maintained that he
2: was super calm super quiet and at his last meet he was just like let's go nuts let's just go crazy
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah. experimenting
0: you gotta do it there you go well, no now. sleep the night before. I needed something. Oh, I needed God. something. <laughs> Nightmare. Awesome. 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 Um okay, we'll move we'll change change um change course a little bit. How do you feel about people using kind of sports or most commonly the gym or powerlifting as a form of therapy? Um as a kind of a self uh, how how to word it. Uh, self-driven form of of therapy because obviously that this has been a big topic of conversation surrounding gyms at least in Ireland and I'm sure over in the UK yeah. being closed for the majority of the last twelve months. What 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 do you make of that?
1: I think you know everybody has their catharsis um when it comes to you know either mental health stress and for so many people that is the gym and I don't think that's unhealthy. I think. If anything, it's super healthy, um, unless it's, you know, it's always a spectrum, unless it's taken, you know, past a certain point. Um, But I think it it absolutely is for those people who do use it as a self-care, a coping mechanism, um, something to help them. And this is talking outside of athletes as well. This is, you know, people that actually go to the gym for the enjoyment and for the mental health purposes and benefits. Um, and to have that taken away from them is, you know, almost an equivalent for some people just who go to therapy being like, well, you're not allowed to go to therapy anymore. Or being like if someone on meds and being like, obviously, it's not the same because, you know, biological reactions, but for, you know, example's sake, being like, well, I'm taking your meds away. And it's it, it's kind of first of all, it's a shock to the system. Um, because the routine especially for someone who's going for their mental health is going to be so imperative and helpful for them but that to be taken away that in itself is going to you know throw their world and it it is it is hard because it's something that they've built up uh, over such a long period of time to help them and they've done it in such a positive way for it to be taken away like i said it's not just a shock to the system it's kind of huge change to their life and it's taking away something that ultimately is you know medicinal to them um and that in itself can be super harmful um just like i said if if you're in a routine of going to therapy or in a routine of anything just like i would say work but for some people that's not so therapeutic um and that being taken away just the sense of first of all the routine being taken away is super hard but then taking away something that Is a coping mechanism for stress and mental health and the other you know variables of life is super difficult first of all because like i said earlier in the podcast you know as humans we hate change but what we hate more is unexpected change and unwanted change and just to be like yoink that's not yours anymore something that you love and you know in a sense need it's going to be harmful um so in the sense of What do i think of people using the gym for therapeutic you know uses if they're doing it in a healthy way that's not harmful to themselves so like people who are like oh i'm training five hours a day seven days a week that's you know that's a form of self-harm like you're not letting yourself rest but then if they're doing it in a healthy way and it's helping them cope and it's you know helping them live in a way that's healthier mentally and physically absolutely it's Mm -hmm. it's amazing. Um, But taking it away, I think would have shaken so many people.
0: Definitely. Do do you think um, like with those, obviously, like we kind of have already answered this question, but um, like if someone has some form of, um, uh, I suppose, mental health issue that they rely on the gym to, to for lack of a better term, keep under control um, or or deal with. Do you think that maybe it is it would be wiser for them to, to as we spoke about outsource that that issue rather than rely on this thing that, as we've seen in the last twelve months, can be you know taken away.
1: I mean, I definitely think that it's important to have fallbacks. Um, like like with anything, though, kind of if you're going to therapy and i'm not a mental health specialist i'm not a, a, a psychotherapist but if you're going to therapy like i i would suggest you know having something else that is cathartic to you whether that's a hobby um or whether it is throwing yourself into your work i, I don't think that you know relying on one thing ever is going to be um you know the way forward because you know like I said the nature of how the world changes and like you just perfectly said how it just suddenly got plucked away so I think things like the gym you know therapy and things that are used as catharsis are you know are really really positive but I wouldn't suggest relying on one soul kind of one so whether it's kind of picking up a hobby or enjoying the smaller things. Um, I don't know, like I say this to my clients all the time. I end up giving way too many examples. So I'm going to try and not to do that. Um, but I think it's way too simplistic to kind of say, this is my fix, um, taking a holistic view on things. So kind of taking other things under your wing that you can control with, you know gardening or i'm doing i'm doing more examples but, you know like other in things like multiple you know. avenues
2: of, of stress relief let's say for want of a better term especially now i suppose yeah. because we can't do a whole lot in lockdown <laughs> we have very few options so it's it's it yeah. definitely seems like we need to be a little bit more creative in not relying on yeah. this, this one thing regardless of it's like for people who are powerlifters especially seem to be really really bought into this very niche amateur sport even compared to other sports especially people who are coaches where it's it's your work it's your hobby it's your social life for that to go Adam and I have discussed this that's it's pretty jarring and it's pretty mental so to have these other avenues is pretty yeah important and to
1: and like sorry
2: no no just I was just going to to find more and kind of be curious and try and sample different things because you don't know when the next one's going to Gonna go.
1: <laughs> I mean, maybe think of it in a slightly more positive way, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, um I think as well what I was gonna add is also try as much as you can to kind of make sure that these different avenues are in different environments, so like an outside one, an inside one. um So, like, if you're like gardening is my thing, and like that's the only thing that I like. I don't know why. It's, I don't. Even, I don't garden myself. Um, But like, you know, gardening's my thing and it's not. And then it starts, you know, hailing outside and you're like, sat outside in the hail, like, this is the only way I can be happy. (laughs) Like, have something you can do inside, outside, like anywhere, like knitting. I don't know why I'm saying such old people, you know, hobbies. And that's not to offend anyone who likes knitting or gardening either. Um, But it's just, you know, make sure you have, Different locations and different types because, like, the importance as well of getting outside is, and I know like every health professional ever says that, but it is. And my friend who I was in my master's with actually did her master's dissertation on kind of like the help of kind of being in green spaces has on focus, mindfulness, concentration, and it's like it's crazy. Um, mm. so making sure one of them's outside, I think is also super important. Not just like I'm a streamer now. I'm just going to video game my life. That was was the
0: example I was thinking the entire time. (laughs) I like video games a lot, Um, but like, especially I'm lucky enough to have a different space where I you know, play video games or, or I'm on my computer or I'm in my office. I have a different space where I sleep and I, you know, but if you're someone who's like entire life is in one room your hobbies, yeah. you, you know, where you sleep, where you eat, that, yeah, it, it becomes even more important that you get out of that room, <laughs> yeah, get out of that space, right? Would I be right in saying that?
1: Absolutely. And the thing is, with a lot of people have kind of, like, their TV in their room, their desk in their room, and, you know, not only does that kind of give you a bit of cabin fever when you're going to be like, I- I'm stuck in this box, like, it also... It's going to have negative effects on your sleep because then your brain will start associating, you know, this room with work and gaming and then like with work, you'll be like, well, this room's for sleeping and gaming. And so I don't I can't focus. So it's really, really important when you can to separate, you know, the wor- room you eat in, the room you work in, the room you play in, like it, it's when you can, that is a super good thing to do. Super good. <laughs>
2: I think that's, people have struggled Super with good. that, with at home, <laughs> that, they, that <laughs> yeah. the space that was for relaxing and, and sleeping or eating or whatever suddenly becomes this space where you need to, especially in the case of powerlifting, you need to get focused, you need to get hyped up and exert yourself pretty heavily. I think that's that's a, a big reason why a lot of people just haven't taken to home training at all, that this space yeah. that was for rest and relaxation is now their place to do hard work. It just doesn't gel well at all.
0: Especially as Amelia just mentioned, if you're working from home as well, you know, work from home, live, rest, eat, sleep at home and also train from home, like something's going to give, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And if you are like a little tip, if you are working from home or you are trying to train from home and you're struggling, just create a sort of ritual routine beforehand. And whether that's going on, like making yourself go on a 20 minute walk, like you're walking to the gym or kind of watching a motivational video in a different room or literally using the doorway of your training room wherever you're training as kind of the balloon archway or that like the walkway to the platform like just separate it as much as you can from the task you were just doing or the day you had whether it's kind of like having a meal getting changed doing that five ten fifteen minute walk like walk as long as you want i'm not going to stop you um yeah (laughs) walk the entire day maybe not that you know be a bit fatigued but yeah absolutely like create that routine that ritual whatever you want to make it um separate it as much as you can
0: yeah i love that i love that connor is there anything else you wanted to to ask any burning questions
2: uh don't think so. I think we we were actually really good. We actually covered all of our talking points for the first time.
0: Very very smoothly as well. We transitioned it nicely. <laughs> I'm very pleased with that.
1: <laughs> that's me going off on a tangent. That's that's why. It's actually Amazing. it's actually really funny because I don't often get called Amelia. Um, it's actually weird to say it, and to hear it in your your guys' lovely accent is is super refreshing.
0: Great. <laughs> why why don't you often get called Amelia?
1: I mean i don't know to my mum's disdain kind of growing up playing sport um i got called potter a lot or pots um like my partner calls me pots not amelia um i don't know like i i can't name any friends i don't think that called me amelia mm-hmm. um but it's not it's nice to hear like i like my name <laughs> i just i just never hear it
0: fair enough so thanks enough. <laughs> you're, you're welcome <laughs> Amazing. Well, pots, we, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we really appreciate you. Um, I'm delighted we got to, to, to chat to you to sit down and talk because hearing kind of like we had Katrina Connolly, um, who I, you're friends with, right? Oh,
1: yes, um, I, I know.
0: Um, but we, we had her on and hearing her process was, was super inspiring because it kind of mirrored our process and the very... Um, Empathy-focused or empathy-driven uh, yeah. approach that we take to power of thing. It's so refreshing as well. Obviously, it's to, to hear it from you. Uh, obviously, it's far more important <laughs> in your uh, in your your line of work. But uh, yeah, we really appreciate what you're doing. We really, we really appreciate the, the free content that you're putting out, and we're we're delighted we got to we got to chat to you. So, why don't you plug yourself? Where where can people find you, and and how do your services work? And if someone wants to, to get in touch with you, how do they do that?
1: Well, okay. Don't mind if I do. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at Pots Thinks. Um, it looks like Pots stinks, but it's not. <laughs> um, and you, there's a link tree link in my bio. Um, if you want to write an application form or book in a call, or if you just want to drop me a message and kind of inquire about services and the process, um, or have any questions, you know then feel free to drop me a message.
0: Lovely. Amazing. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, again, thank you everyone. That was episode seven, <laughs> episode number seven. You'd swear we had like a hundred episodes. I'm forgetting <laughs> already. Episode number seven. Hope you enjoyed. If there's anything you would like us to discuss in the next one, or if there's any, if anyone you would like us to talk to, please let us know. We will see you again in the next seven days. Thanks for watching slash listening. See you later. All the best.